Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Hello, Wanderers. This is it. You've made it to the final tale of the Silmarillion and the very end of the first age of Middle-earth. Congratulations. But don't get too comfortable, because next week we will venture into the second age, and you'll want to explore that thoroughly so that you are primed for Amazon Prime's Rings of Power, because it will take place in the second age. So stick with me, your wandering but not lost guide, and you'll make it through. Today's episode is a breakdown of the chapter called Of the Voyage of Eärendil and the War of Wrath. Last week's episode was a deep dive on Eärendil, so today we're looking at the War of Wrath and the end of the First Age. This chapter is the last chapter of a book called The Silmarillion, written by J.R.R. Tolkien and published in 1977 after his death. A link to purchase The Silmarillion is in the show notes. Welcome! In the Lore of the Rings podcast, we wander the world of J.R.R. Tolkien by exploring the foundational epic stories from the deep past of Middle-earth. If you enjoyed Tolkien's books, or maybe Peter Jackson's movies, or perhaps you're excited for Amazon Studios' new series, The Rings of Power, and you want to dive deeper into the rich world of Middle-earth, then listen and subscribe. Bagovanian, fellow wanderers! Today's episode date is July 7th. We are 54 days away from the debut of the Rings of Power series. On this day in Middle-earth, in the year 1999 of our world, Elijah Wood is the first cast member to join Peter Jackson's live adaptation of J.R.R. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings. And in the year 3018 of the Third Age of Middle-earth, Gandalf is days away from learning of Saruman's treachery and being imprisoned in Isengard. This is adapted from the Today in Middle-earth History calendar on the OneRing.net. Let's check the map. These map checks are inspired by the beautiful maps that accompany the Lord of the Rings books, and I hope give you the context for today's story. If none of this makes sense, please listen to a few previous episodes and catch back up. It is the first age of Middle-earth. Morgoth, the Dark Lord, possesses two of three Silmarils, which he stole from the elves. He has decimated all resistance against him. Eärendil and his wife Elwing have sailed into the west to plead to the Valar, the powers that govern the earth, on behalf of the elves and men who remain. The Valar will grant his prayer, but before they do, they give Eärendil and his sons and their children a choice. Be counted among the firstborn children of Iluvatar, that is the elves, or inherit the strange gifts of men. Eärendil and Elwing have chosen to be counted with the elves, and Eärendil's ship has been recrafted so that he can wear the Silmaril and rise as a new star in the sky. We begin our tale today as the Valar gather their forces for the offensive against Morgoth. The Valar prepared for battle, and all the elves that had remained in Valinor prepared with them. Remember that first group of elves to arrive in the Blessed Realm in the west? These were called the Vanyar, and white were their war banners as they prepared to help their Noldor kin in Middle-earth. The Noldor who had remained in Melanor were led by Finarfin. Finarfin is Galadriel's father and the half-brother of Feanor, who created the Silmarils. He and a small contingent of Noldorine elves had turned back from their march to Middle-earth. Even the Teleri sent help, though they were at first reluctant to do so, since it had been Feanor, his sons, and some of the Noldorine elves who had long ago slayed their people and stolen their ships. But Elwing, being their distant kin, 
convinced them to provide enough ships and crews to carry the host of the Valar back to Middle-earth, but not one of them set foot on land. Morgoth, in his pride, believes that he has successfully sundered the Noldorine elves from the Valar in the west, so he never thought that they would make an assault on him. Yet they did so. Quote, At last the might of Valinor came up out of the west, and Beleriand was ablaze with the glory of their arms, for the host of the Valar were arrayed in forms young and fair and terrible, and the mountains rang beneath their feet. Morgoth marshaled all his forces, and the meeting of these forces is called the Great Battle and the War of Wrath. All the northern lands were, quote, aflame with war. Morgoth's Balrogs, those demons of fire that had joined him even before the world was created, were destroyed. The few that survived, quote, fled and hid themselves in caverns inaccessible at the roots of the earth. Morgoth's orcs, those corrupted and foul creatures, quote, perished like straw in a great fire. Their numbers were nearly decimated. The faithful men that remained joined forces to the army of the Valar, and many noble deaths were avenged. Yet some men, those from the east, marched with Morgoth, quote, and the elves do not forget it. Morgoth, in a last-ditch desperate attempt, sends out winged dragons, which before then had not been seen. Though not explicitly stated, I can imagine that even Smaug, that dragon that would later contend with Bilbo, may have been in this fleet. This surprise attack was enough to hinder the forces of the Valar, and even to drive them back but not for long. For Arendil came, quote, shining with white flame, and he brought, quote, all the great birds of heaven, and Therondor, the king of eagles, was their captain. They gave battle to the dragons in the air all through the day and night. Before the rising of the sun, quote, Erindil slew Anglicon the back, the mightiest of the dragon host. The dragon fell on the peaks above Morgoth's fortress, and they broke beneath him. Nearly all the dragons were destroyed. Then all the dungeons of Morgoth were ripped open and laid bare and at last Morgoth stood at bay. But like a coward, he fled into deeper mines, and finding no escape, begged for peace, but his prayer was not granted. He was bound with a great chain, the very chain that he had been bound with all those centuries before, and they beat his iron crown into an iron collar for his neck, and forced him to his knees. The two remaining Silmarils were removed from the crown, and Aonwe, the herald of the High King Manwe, quote, took them and guarded them. Thus the Valar, with the elves and faithful men, finally overthrew Melkor Morgoth, the Dark Lord. We're not done yet. If you like this episode, please leave a review and share with your friends. And remember to subscribe if you haven't already. We'll be right back. You can be the hero of your own Marvel Comics adventure. Marvel Strike Force is an extraordinary mobile game a haven for comic book enthusiasts and gamers alike. Lead your own fellowship of heroes and villains to battle against the forces of darkness that threaten the very fabric of the universe. From the menacing Doctor Doom to the formidable Apocalypse, every battle is a chance to prove your mettle. And right now, Marvel Strike Force is commemorating its six-year anniversary. That means free rewards await those who heed the call and sign up today. With weekly events and bonuses, this anniversary celebration promises a treasure trove of special rewards. Rally your allies, sharpen your blades, and dive into the action of Marvel Strike Force today. Use code MAXPOOL to unlock free new treasures. That's code MAXPOOL, all one word, on the mobile game Marvel Strike Force. Now, back to wandering. Aonwe, acting in the name of Manwe, summons all the elves to depart Middle-earth and return to Valinor. The two remaining sons of Feanor, Maedros and Maglor, 
were filled with weariness and loathing, for their oath to reclaim the Silmarils stood unfulfilled. So they lay claim to the Silmarils. But Aonwe deems that by their sinful actions, not the least of which included their slaying of their elven kin, that they had forfeited any right to lay claim to the Silmarils. The jewels will go into the west. At this point, Maglor is willing to concede, but Maedros, the eldest brother, is not. Maedros convinces his brother to make a last desperate attempt to reclaim their father's greatest creations. Disguising themselves, they sneak to where the Silmarils are kept and slay the guards. They just haven't learned their lesson, have they? And at last, lay their hands on the Silmarils. Since they are the only two left of Feanor's sons, they divide the two Silmarils between them, each taking one. But they forgot to read the fine print. Let's rewind several hundred years into the past, before the sun and moon had even been created, to when Feanor first blended the light from the two trees and crafted the Silmarils. At that time, Varda, the member of the Valar who created the stars, and whom the elves call Elbereth, had, quote, hollowed the Silmarils, so that thereafter no mortal flesh, nor hands unclean, nor anything of evil will might touch them. But it was scorched and withered. Knowing the story of Maedros and Maglor, they certainly had unclean hands. So, quote, the jewel burned the hand of Maedros in pain unbearable. In his anguish and despair, he cast himself into a, quote, gaping chasm filled with fire, and so ended. And the Silmaril that he bore was taken into the bosom of the earth. And Maglor, quote, could not endure the pain with which the Silmaril tormented him. At last he throws it into the sea, and forever after wanders the shores, singing of pain and regret. Thus, quote, the Silmarils found their long homes, one in the airs of heaven with Eärendil, and one in the fires of the hearts of the world, and one in the deep waters. After the War of Wrath, a great building of ships occurred, and many elves returned into the west. The Vanyar, under their white banners, left Middle-earth forever, as well as many of the remaining Noldor. The elves that had dwelt in Middle-earth settled on an island called Tol Eresea, the Lonely Isle, just outside the shores of Eleanor, which they were permitted to return to. They were pardoned by the Valar and welcomed in love, and the Teleri, in a great act of mercy, quote, forgave their ancient grief. But a few elves remained still in Middle-earth. You will recognize most, if not all, of these names. Cirdan the Shipwright remained, having been in Middle-earth ever since the days of the first great march of the elves to Valinor. Gilgalad, High King of the Noldor, also remained, and with him dwelt Elrond, the half-elven, who was a son of Erindil, and as you may have guessed, chose to be counted among the elves, while his brother Elros chose to be judged with mortal men, but we'll get deeper into that next time. And this may go without saying, but Caladriel and Celeborn also remained in Middle-earth and refused the summons of the Valar. Thus Galadriel, while not the oldest elf in Middle-earth, was one of the highest and noblest kin, and having been born in Valinor in the time of the trees, was the only elf in Middle-earth who had seen the light of the two trees, and walked with and learned from the Valar in the days of her youth. But what was Morgoth's sentence after the battle? Quote, the Valar thrust Morgoth Boglir, the power of terror and of hate, through the door of night beyond the walls of the world into the timeless void. They set a guard to watch over the walls, and Arindil himself also keeps watch. But Morgoth's influence is not so easy to shut out, for his lies had been sown in the hearts of elves and men, and, quote, will bear dark fruit even unto the latest days. Of Morgoth's Lieutenant Sauron, we are told nothing. The great battle scarred the very earth of Beleriand and its surrounding regions, so much so that the whole of Beleriand was sunk into the sea. So if you look at a map of Middle-earth, the mountains of Ered Luin, where some of the dwarves first appeared, along with the land of Linden, became the western edge of the map in the second and third ages of Middle-earth, whereas before they were the eastern border of the region of Beleriand, 
some parts of Beleriand remained, particularly some of the burial sites of important figures, like Morwen, the mother of Turin, but how this is so, we're not really told. But a little piece of land of Beleriand can be seen on the maps of the Third Age that are in the Lord of the Rings books. In the northwestern corner is the land of Forlinden. Off its shores, and a little to the west, is a small island called Himring. That island is the very top of a tall hill, which Maedros, the son of Feanor, had fortified. That hill fortress was the anchor of the eastern flank of the siege against Morgoth, and a rally point for the sons of Feanor after their losses in the battles against Morgoth. Perhaps that hill, which the sons of Feanor assumed was a place of strength, serves as a reminder to the elves in Middle-earth that peace does not come in strength of arms, but only in alignment with the powers that govern the world. That is the full tale of the First Age of Middle-earth and the final fate of the Silmarils. Looking over the First Age, the deeds of bravery, unvaliant treacheries, tragic choices of fallen heroes, and how it all ties into the Third Age of Middle-earth, I hope that you understand the depth of the description of the two trees of Alinor, when Tolkien wrote, quote, About their fate, all the tales of the Elder Days are woven. We've seen Morgoth's hatred of the light, Feanor's capture of it in the Silmarils, the creation of the moon and sun from the light of the dying trees, and the struggles of elves and men to reclaim the light. And as Samwise the Hobbit wisely says in the Two Towers, quote, Why, sir, I never thought of that before. You've got some of the light of it in the star glass that the lady gave you. Why, to think of it, we're in the same tale still. It's going on. Don't the great tales never end? No, Sam, my friend, they do not. Closing, I'll quote in full the very last paragraph of the chapter. Quote, Here ends the Silmarillion. If it has passed from the high and the beautiful to darkness and ruin, that was of old the fate of Arda Mard. And if any change shall come and the marring be amended, Manwe and Varda may know, but they have not revealed it and it is not declared the dooms of Mondos. My friends, if you enjoyed this episode, let me know by subscribing, leaving a review, and sharing with your friends. Follow me on Facebook or Instagram at Lore of the Rings Podcast. For feedback on the show, please email me using the link in the show notes. Until next Thursday, remember, not all those who wander are lost. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.